Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in to hear what God is speaking to us in the northeastern part of Oklahoma, and I hope it speaks to you as well. Enjoy. So as I was, it's, I think it's funny how God puts things together, because as I was working on the message for today, I never could get a preach direction. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense, because you know I get up here and I got my preach on. Like last week, I had my preach on. And uh, I think because, really, I, I just want to want to talk through some things that will affect us in a very positive way, very cool way, because I think many of us online in this church are trying to discover, God, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? How do you want me to work in this place? And uh, so we're going to talk about that today. In a very, very interesting way. Um, honestly, I'm going to kind of put some responsibility on others more so than me. However, it's my responsibility as pastor to help drive and direct and help and lift up and promote and all that fun stuff. But there's only so much that the pastor of a church can do when it comes to callings and giftings and things like that. But I want to talk today, the, the message title um, in this series that we're in called Free or Free is just being free in the anointing of God, being free in his anointing. And uh, sometimes that's a Christian word, like what is anointing? How do you define what anointing is? How do we um, put that, how do we quantify that? How do we, uh, you know, you, you look at people that on TV or you've been to big churches and you, you get, they get up there and you're just mesmerized and moved by the words that they're saying. And you think, wow, that's awesome. Well, oftentimes that's anointing on their lives. Um, Alana, we're going to talk about her for a minute. She's anointed to lead worship. She brings us into a presence of God that's incredible. Um, there's an anointing on her life for that place. Um, there are people that have an anointing on their lives to what I call ush, be ushers in a church. That's another church word, but that's the, they make sure the place is comfortable. People are, have, are welcome in a place. Um, there's an anointing for all kinds of things. And let me, let me put it even in a, in a more real perspective. I was trying to define the word anointing last night. And I came up with a definition online. It just says, uh, it's to take for one's use and to make use of a thing. So in, context, in, in the context of this spiritual realm or this world that we live in in church, it's to take something that we have and make more of it beyond ourselves. Um, my definition comes like this. It's making use of the revelation of the word of God for power and ministry. Think about that. The anointing of God is on every one of us to do something beyond ourselves for the advancing of God's kingdom. What is that? What is that for me? What is that for you? I I, I, I'm getting a glimpse. Sometimes I don't know for me. I mean, I know that I'm supposed to pastor and I'm here and I'm all that. But I think it's beyond titles. I think it's beyond uh, Sunday morning. You know, what, what am I on Tuesday when I'm not here? I mean, yes, I have responsibilities to drive the church. and to, to, I mean, I do work 40-plus hours a week most weeks and sometimes 50, sometimes 30. But, you know, it all averages out throughout the week. But I spend a lot of time. Uh, doing development things, but but beyond that, what is my personal? What's the personal call on my life? And I think that's kind of what we're here to do to help dis- discover that for everybody. And uh, so I was I was listening. I'm not going to lie. I was listening to a podcast 
And uh, something that the, the guy that was preaching in there said, he said something that really spoke loud to me. And it came out of a very common parable that, that uh, you don't ha- typically have to be in church very long to hear. Um, it was the first time, though, I've in two years that I've talked about this parable that I know of. And uh, it's found in Matthew 25, and all of this will be on the screen. Um, we don't have to use the screen. If it helps you so you don't have to look it up and it reads just like me so you can see the scripture, that's up to you. I'm not looking at the screen. And, and it's blurry on the live stream, so it's entirely up, to, up and for you. Even if I did spend an hour and a half putting it, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't spend an hour and a half on the, the screens. That's why there's so many typos. Um, so Matthew 25, verses 14 through 13. We're going to hang around in Matthew 25, and I'm going to talk here and there, and I'm actually going to open it in my Bible instead of just looking at my notes here. And um, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing here. This is what we call the parable of the talents. Talents. Uh, we can look at that in several different ways. In the context here, it's, he's, he's talking about finance. And so many preachers, so many times we've used this to, to talk about what we give financially to church. I'm not talking about money at all. It's not even a percent of what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about something so much greater in us personally. But let's just read this story together. Um, and it says, for it will be, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one, he gave five talents. Now, a talent, by the way, is not just like $5. It is an extremely large amount of money. One talent is is a a vast amount of money. It's not a small thing that he's entrusted these people with. And he says, to one, five talents, to another, two, and another, one. And this is a key thing here, to each according to his ability. To each according to his ability. Now, not everybody in this room is called to get up and talk like I do. That's within my ability, right? Uh, not everybody is called or gifted in where you all have your giftings. I can't do what you do as well as what you're called to do. You can't do as well as I do what I'm called to do. Does, does that make sense? And so God gives us things according to our ability. Now, I want to talk in context, even though this talent in this story references money it's a wealth thing i want to talk about it in reference to our anointing what god has put on us what he's gifted us with to do something with do you see that so so he's given each one one five one two and one one that doesn't mean he liked the one that he gave five two better than he liked the one that he gave one and i'm gonna i'm gonna expand on something about understanding who we are here in just a minute on this which is pretty cool and I think you've figured out over this time, I talk a lot about under, trying to understand who God says we are. Uh, that's our identity in Christ. So anyway, moving on, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So how many talents does he have? Ten. Okay, basic math here. So you also had the two talents made two talents more. How many has he got? Okay, good, good. I'm glad we can all do basic math. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid it in his master hid his master's money. How many does he have still? One. Okay, good. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received 
the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Look at these words. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked or evil is another word there. You evil and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and my coming. I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent. From him and give it to him who has ten talents. I think it's interesting that he gave it to the one that had the most of all of them. For to everyone who has, who has will have. More, I'm sorry. To for, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? So I want to talk probably briefly, just some four observations about what we do or what we should do with what God has given us, because he's given every one of us something. Uh, and again, I, we're still in discovery mode, maybe. Still trying to figure out what that is. That's fine. The important thing is that we do something, do something for God at, at, at all times, really. And we don't just sit on who he is. If he's given us love, what do we do? We, we give him love. We give other people love, right? If he's given us abundance, what do we do? We give abundance. If he's given us it, whatever, and we can look around at the blessings. I, what he gives us was meant to be shared. But what's amazing is when we share it, he multiplies it. We see that clearly in this story. When we do something with what God has given us, it is multiplied. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about Elijah and Elisha? Remember Elijah comes before Elisha? What did Elisha do with Elijah's anointing? Did twice as much. Do you remember that? If, if you know anything about Elijah, Elisha, we realize that Elijah did eight miracles. Elisha did 16 recorded miracles. He did a double had a double portion why on earth would we not in context of this scripture have a place in our lives where we do double or, or have double of what God's given us see if, if he's given us five then with that we should be able to come back with five more if he's given us two two more if he's given us one we should have at least come back with something right so we've got three guys here or gals or whatever you want to look at and, and the first two did great with what they were given according to their ability. Remember that phrase. And we've got the third one. He had the ability to do something with that one. We know that clearly, but he chose not to. So the first observation that I have is we're given what we can handle. 
very clearly. God's not going to give us more than we can handle. But he also is clear throughout Scripture that he wants to give us something that causes us to rely more on him. Okay? Um, I think about uh, the the feeding of the 5,000. The the disciples are sitting around. Jesus has spent the day teaching these 5,000 men plus women and children. So think about how many, I mean, if there's two kids to every family, so we could have 15,000 people in there, right? Or more, maybe 20,000. And they have nothing to feed these people. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, do something. Feed them. And they're like, well, how do you want us to do that? And Jesus is like, well, how do you want to think? <laughs> he really challenged them like that. Along comes this boy. He's got some bread and some fish, enough to feed himself. Jesus blesses it, breaks it, and he feeds everybody with enough leftovers, with enough for leftovers, more than what was started with. Isn't that interesting? The child, the boy gave, and in the end, he had more than what was in the beginning. I wish there was biblical record of exactly how much he had. I think it was seven baskets full at the end. Um, he came with a basket full. But there, there's this, this multiplying effect. God doesn't deal with adding and subtracting. He deals with multiplication. So if you give him two, he gives you 20. Or it, in here was a double portion. It was a multipli- multiplication by two. But double portion. The, my, my whole idea is he's still given us something that we can handle but we need to be able to stretch ourselves and go beyond our own ability, right? So they did something with this money. My observation number two is huge, and that is we've got to make much with what he's given us. So what? you have compassion? Show compassion. Are you hospitable? Be hospitable, right? Uh, if, if you're friendly, greet people at the door. Show up early. Be, be a, a warm, smiley face. I, I'm just kind of generically speaking. If, if you are gifted with your hands, help people with your hands. If you're gifted with, just think about the natural things that God has given you. We can, we can dive into spiritual things, and that's, that's on the docket. We'll, we'll work towards spiritual things, but let's start with the, what he's given us now. Because maybe he's holding out for us to use what he's currently given us. He's not going to give us more until we use what we currently have. Are you, are you following me? So, um, we are to make much of what we're given. And in verse 16, it says, He who had received the five talents went at once. And this is where he talks about it, and he doubled it. And he who had the two came back with two more. But then we've got that one who just dug it and buried it in a hole. Uh, my third observation, only a four, so I'm kind of flying through these. But, but I, I, I'm going to move around a little bit more and probably expand on a couple more things that I didn't really put in my notes. But uh, the third thing is we are free in knowing the true character of God. Think about this. So the first two had no problems whatsoever taking a risk with what the master had given him. First one went and he, it says, shoot, I shut my Bible. I'll just take it from here. The first one, it says that, uh, no, I got, in verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded them with them. He traded with him. He took risk with it, and it multiplied. So they, they weren't afraid at the consequences of losing. They just knew they had to do something with what was given them in the context of their giftings or their anointing on their lives. Um, so the third one, though, he said something that was very interesting. He says, now, when the master had returned, he came to settle accounts, right? Uh, the first one, well, I was just here all along. Received five talents, came forward, gave him five. Master said, um, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 21, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then the two came forward, and then the, the, this, is, this is the thing. Verse 24, he would receive the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And he had a total misconception of who his master was. He lived in a total, so many of us, I think, go around in fear of what God's going to do to us instead of being free in what God's going to do through us. I think there's been a misconception in the church. I think there, there are those people that put on us heaps of bondage. In the, the Bible's clear that we're supposed to have a fear of the Lord, but not a terror of the Lord. I think we're so afraid of what God's going to do to us. I, I've, I know this uh, little sweet old lady that is battling some illness in her life, and she says, I just can't figure out where I've messed up that God would do this to me. That's not how God operates. The fear that we're to have towards the Lord is, is a motivating factor to do more for him, not to do less because of what he would do. I would much rather my children try and fail than not try at all. Right? I'd rather we take risks. I'd rather come to northeast Oklahoma and try to plant a church and fail than have stayed put in northwest Arkansas, wherever I lived, northeast Oklahoma, northwest Arkansas, and wondered. I'd rather take risks and fail than to not do anything and wonder. But here you've got this third guy, and he's like, I'm not, I, I don't even know who my master really is. And really, more than that, is he didn't know who his master thought of or what his master thought of him. It's identity. Who are we in Christ? We don't always grasp what God is saying to us about us. Listen, we're his children. Why on earth is he going to rule with an iron fist? Why on earth is he going to punish us when all we're trying to do is our best for him. I wonder if, if well, when, when the disciples brought the boy to Jesus, I can only, with the, the loaves and the fish, I can only imagine that he was like, well, now I've got to do something with that. How many times do we jump out in faith? Not sure, but God's like, now I've got to deliver based on their faith. Well, I don't know that we do that. We've got this moment here where we've got this life that God has given us and he's going to ask us to take some risks and my fourth observation comes from the last part of that and it says so he took the talent from the one and it gave him to the one who had ten talents and and the idea here is God's God gives us more when we faithfully use what he has given us Hmm. I guess I, I told you I wasn't going to talk about money but You could apply that here, couldn't you? God gives us more when we faithfully use what he has given us. Okay, there's my 1%. Okay, so, and I try really hard not to talk about it. I just know how much God blesses us when we are faithful with that aspect of our lives. But, But we've got this thing here. God gives us more when we faithfully use what he has given us. What has he faithfully given you? And what are you doing with it? 
that's the, I, I'm not here to, to there, there's no condemnation. Romans 8.1 is very clear. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The caveat is the next part. It says, who walk not according to the flesh. So if we're dealing with condemnation, apparently there's some flesh dealing within us. But when we deal with conviction, there's a big difference. Conviction just says, repent and move on. I'm aware, God, that I've messed up. I'm sorry. Now let me make it right. Instead of wallowing in my pain and my struggle and my frustration. So let me tell you how condemnation. Condemnation is just absolute guilt heaped on us. For not doing what we're supposed to do. We don't live in guilt. We live in deal with it and move on. Does that, does that make sense? So I want to go back to this twenty verse or chapter 25. And I want to just for... Yes, the devil is the one who puts condemnation on us. I want to, I want to give us just why I think that this talent can be applied towards anointing in our lives and that's by backing up we've got to take the whole scripture in context and there's this phrase that says text without oh shoot how does it go (laughs) i learned this in bible school anyway it's just totally left me but without taking the whole counsel of scripture we get it out of context text without pretext anyway forget it um so verse or verse one in chapter 25, opens with this story of ten virgins waiting on their bridegroom, or a bridegroom. There's, there's different ways that you can read it. Some would say that, that there's these ten uh, waiting on their bridegroom to come and escort them to the wedding. Now, in true, I believe, what's really happening here is there are ten virgins that are waiting as part of the wedding party to watch the bridegroom come get his bride and go celebrate together. However you want to look at it, it doesn't mess this up. But it says, it opens up here, it says, uh, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Of them, or five of them, were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Okay, right here. The lamps represent the, the word of God in our lives. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. When we take the word of God and apply it with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have the anointing upon our lives. And, and as you read on, you find out that, well, let's just read on. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. They spent time in the word. They spent time uh, building their faith up. They spent time with the Holy Spirit. They spent time growing in the things of God. And as the bridegroom bridegroom was delayed, they became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. By the way, you have got to develop your own. For most of my teenage years, I had a relationship with God through people my best friend, my parents, and that is not storing up oil for yourself. You have got to have a relationship with God. You cannot come on Sunday morning and this be the only time you encounter God and have full uh, flasks of oil. It helps. It wets the, the lamp. It gets you a little fire going for a couple of days. But you've got to be in the presence of God and developing a relationship on your own outside of these four walls. But... 
the wise, it says, answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go gather, or go rather, to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. Huh, interesting. And those who were ready went in with him to the, to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open for us or to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Why do you think he didn't know them? Because they hadn't spent time in relationship with him. They didn't spend the time growing in their relationship with him. So if we got this story, and uh, uh, watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day or the hour. So if we've got this whole conversation, in the whole conversation, Jesus is talking about the importance of empowering yourself through what the Holy Spirit puts on us, the anointing, and then he goes into this parable of, of the talents. And that's why I think he didn't jump out of context. He didn't jump out of his meaning to the people. He says, okay, these women, they've waited. Five of them did the right thing. Five of them missed out. Now, let me tell you what you need to do with what you have been given. Now, some were given five, some were given two, and some were given one. The five doubled it, the two doubled it, the one just sat on it. It's a picture, I think, of the church today. The church is doing a real good job at the one, which is a terrible job at the one, right? Church across the board, not our church. We're doing good, I think. But anyway, that's really, you know, this is a different little, not as exciting, I know. But I just, I just felt like we needed to visit a little bit about what are we going to do with what God has given us? And you start with what you know you have. You make something of it. You come to me and you might say, what, what do I do with this? And my answer is probably going to be something. I don't know, but let's figure it out. Maybe you come with me to me with an idea. Listen, I can't take you to school and learn for you. And I can sure do everything I can to help you. Does that make sense? We all have a part to play in advancing the kingdom of God through what we're doing here. Every last one of us has a specific place here. There's so many messages in this about time, talent, treasure, money, what you do with it. I I just think it's what do we do with the anointing upon... Every one of us has an anointing on our lives. What do we do? Where are we positioning ourselves where our ability plus God's ability becomes twice ability? I know twice ability is no word, but you know what? I'm, I hope that makes sense. So, um, and there's freedom in this. That's how this ties into free or free. When we really step into just doing with what God has given us, there's, he is now free to do even more in and through us. He might say, here, Sean, uh, you can do this. And that's at the beginning, not the big. He, he doesn't always let us know the big picture. He rarely lets us know but one step ahead of us. But he can't reveal the next step till you step into the, the one right in front of you. So he might say, here's something small. Do it. And the next thing you know is going to be like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'll do that too. He's pretty good at delivering when we can't. 
as long as we're faithful to step out in faith. You got something over there? Okay. So, anyway, that's, that's really all, all I have. I just want us to make much of what God has given us. Dance more. Sing more. Give more. Love more. Judge less. I, I don't know what else to, to say on that. I could point everything out the Bible says and say, do this, do this, do that. But what do you have? How can you use it? God is in the business of double. You start with something. And I'm not talking about big picture, what do you have? What do you have today? What has God given you today? <laughs> well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.